Good morning! Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. This morning's episode is titled, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. It shall be focused on a study of Psalms chapter 110. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, Lord, for, Lord, how You manifested Yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And we see, Father, You being the great Melchizedek, without father, without mother. We thank Thee, Lord, that there is no one like unto Thee in power and in Your strength. Help us to have faith, Lord, to rely on You to solve our problems and not to be self-reliant in and on our own selves. We thank Thee for Thy grace and Thy tender mercy. So help us to be pleasing unto Thee in the name of Thy Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Psalms 110. Psalm 110, a psalm of David. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning. Thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord hath sworn, and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon titled, Who is this Melchizedek? This was preached in 1965 on February the 21st in the evening. We'll begin at paragraph 29 up to paragraph 88. I trust you find it to be a blessing. Now, let's get right into the service now quickly, turning now with me, if you will, to the book of Hebrews and another revelation on the message. We'll speak for just a few moments tonight, the Lord willing, and then while reading the first Three verses of Hebrews 7, 1 to 3. And then commenting on this. And we don't know what the Lord will do. We do not know. The only thing we do is just believe, watch, pray. Is that right? And believe that he'll make everything work together for good to them that loves him because he promised to. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is King of peace. Let's read a little farther. Without father, 
without mother, without descent, neither beginning of days or end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth the priest continually. Think of this great person, of how great this man must be. And now the question is, who is this man? Theologians has had different ideas, but since the opening of the seven seals, the mysterious book that's been mysterious to us, according to Revelations 10, 1 to 7, all the mysteries that's wrote in this book that's been hid down through the age of the reformers is supposed to be brought out into view by the angel of the last church age. How many knows that's right? Amen. That's right. Supposed to be brought. All the mysteries of the mysterious book is to be revealed to the Laodicea messenger of that age. Seeing there is much dispute about this person and this subject, I think it behooves us to break into it, to find out who this is. Now, there's several schools of thought on him. One of the schools are, claims he's just a myth. He wasn't actually a person. And the others says that it was a priesthood. That was the Melchizedek priesthood. That's the most likely one that hold better to that side than they do to the other is because they say it was a priesthood. It can't be that, for in the fourth verse it says, He was a person, a man. So in order to be a person, he has to be a personality, a man. Not an order, but a person. So he was not just a priesthood order, neither was he a myth. He was a person. And the person is eternal. If you notice, he had no father, he had no mother, he had no time he ever began, and he had no time he ever ended. And ever who it was is still alive tonight. Because the Bible said here that he had neither father nor mother, beginning of days or ending of life. So it would have to be an eternal person. Is that right? An eternal person. So it could only be one person that's God. Because he's the only one that's eternal. God. Now in 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16, if you'd like to read that sometime, I'd like for you to read it. Now, the thing that I contend is that he was God. Because he's the only person that can be immortal. And now, God changing himself into person. That's what he was. No father, no mother, no beginning in life, no entering of days. Now, we find in the Scripture that many people teach us that three personalities in the Godhead. So you cannot have a personality 
without being a person. It takes a person to make a personality. A Baptist minister a few weeks ago come up and to my house and said, I like straighten you out on the Godhead sometime when you got time. Call me up, brother. I said, I got time right now because I want to be straight. And we lay aside everything else to do it. He come up, he said, Brother Branham, you teach that there is just one God. I said, yes, sir. He said, well, he said, I believe there's one God, but one God in three persons. I said, sir, repeat that again. He said, one God in three persons. I said, where did you go to school at? <laughs> and he told me a, a Bible college. I said, I could believe that. You cannot be a person without being a personality. And if you're a personality, you are a one personality to yourself. You're a separate individual being. And he said, well, the theologians can't even explain that. I said, it's by revelation. And he said, I can't accept revelation. I said, then there's no way for God to ever get to you. Because it's hid from the eyes of the wise and prudent. And revealed to babes, revealed, revelation, revealed to babes such as will accept it and learn. Now I said, there'd be no way for God to get to you. You close yourself off from him. The whole Bible is a revelation of God. The whole church is built upon the revelation of God. There's no other way to know God, only by revelation. To whom the Son will reveal him. Revelation. Everything is revelation. So... To not to accept the revelation, then you're just a cold theologian and there's no hope for you. Now, now, we find out that this person had no father, no mother, no beginning of days or ending of life. It was God in Martha. Now, the word, the word comes, the Greek word means change, was used changing himself in Martha from one person to to one person, the Greek word there in Marfa means it was taken from the stage act. That one person is changing his mask to make him some other character. Like in, in school just recently, I believe uh, Rebecca, just before she graduated, they had one of Shakespeare's plays. And one young man had to change his clothes several times because he played two or three different parts but the same person. He come out one time, he was the villain. And when he come out next time, he was another character. And now the Greek word in Marfa mean that he changed his mask. And that's what God did. It's the same God all the time. God in the form of the Father, the, the Spirit, the pillar of fire. The same God was made flesh and dwelt among us in Martha, brought out so he could be seen. And now that same God is the Holy Ghost. Father, Son, Holy... Not three gods, three offices, three acts of the one God. The Bible said there's one God. Not three, but that's how... That they could, you can't get this straightened out and have three gods. You never sell a Jew that, I'll tell you that. One who knows better. He knows there's only one God. Notice, like the sculpture, he hides with a, 
amassed over it. That's what God's done to this age. It's been hid. All these things has been hid and supposed to be revealed in this age. Now, the Bible says they will be revealed in the latter time. It's like a sculpture keeping his, his piece of work all covered over until the time he takes the mask off of it and there it is. And that's what the Bible has been. It has been a work of God that's been covered up. And it's been hid since the foundation of the world. And it's sevenfold mystery. And God promised in this day, at the age of this Lady Osea church, He would take the mask off the whole thing and we could see it. What a glorious thing. God, immorphed, masked in a pillar of fire. God, immorphed, in a man called Jesus. God, immorphed, in His church. God above us. God with us. God in us. The condensing of God. Up there holy. No one could touch Him. He settled up on the mountain and even if an animal touched the mountain had to die. And then God come down and changed His tent and come down and live with us. Become one of us. And we held Him, the Bible said. 1 Timothy 3, 16, without controversy, great is the mystery of God is for God was manifested in the flesh. Handled with hands. God eat meat. God drank water. God slept. God cried. He was one of us. Beautiful types in the Bible. That was God above us. God with us. Now it's God in us. The Holy Spirit. Not the third person, the same person. God came down and become flesh and died the death in Christ so that He could clean the church in order to get into it for fellowship. God loves fellowship. That's what He made the man at the first time for was for fellowship. God dwelt alone. The cherubims. And notice, now... He made man, and man fell, so he came down and redeemed man, because God loves to be worshipped. The word God means object of worship. And this that comes among us as a pillar of fire, as something that changes our hearts, that is the same God that said, Let there be light, and there was light. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, in the beginning, God dwelled alone with His attributes, as I spoke of this morning. That's His thoughts. There was nothing. Just God alone. But He had thoughts. Just like a great architect can sit down in his mind and draw out what he thinks is, he's going to, to build, create. Now, He cannot create. He can take something that's been created and make it in a different form because God's the only, way, only one can create. But he gets in his mind what he's going to do. And that's his thoughts. That's his desires. Now it's a thought. And then he speaks it, and it's a word then. And a, a word is a thought when it's expressed. It's a word. A thought expressed is a word. But it has to be a thought first. So it's God's attributes then. It becomes a uh, thought, then a word. Notice, 
those who have tonight eternal life was with him and in him and his thinking before there ever was an angel, star, cherubim, or anything else. That's eternal. And if you have eternal life, you always was. Not your being here, but the shape and form that the infinite God, and if He isn't infinite, He isn't God. God has to be infinite. We're finite. He's infinite. And He was omnipresent, omnipotent, and omnipotent. If He isn't, then He can't be God. Knows all things, all places because of His omnipresent, omnipotent makes Him omnipresent. He is a being. He's not like the wind. He is a being. He dwells in a house. But being omnipresent, knowing all things, makes Him omnipresent. Because He knows everything that's going on. There can't be a flea bat its eyes for what He noted. And He noted before there was a world how many times it bat its eyes and how much talent it had in it. Before there ever was a world. That is infinite. We can't comprehend it in our minds. But that's God. God, infinite. And remember, you, your eyes, your statue, whatever you was, you were in his thinking at the beginning. And the only thing that you are is expression, word, after he thought it, he spoke it, and here you are. Amen. If it isn't, if you wasn't in his thinking, there's no way at all for you ever to be there. For he is the one that gives eternal life. You remember how we read the scriptures? Not him that willeth or him that runneth, but God. And that his predestination might stand true. He could choose before any time. Who? God's sovereign in his choosing. Did you know that? God's sovereign. Who was back there to tell him a better way to make the world? Who would dare to tell him he's running his business wrong? Even the very... The very Word itself, very sovereign, even the revelation is sovereign. He reveals to whom He will reveal. The very revelation itself is sovereign in God. That's how people pound at things and jump at things and hit at things, not knowing what they're doing. God is sovereign in His works. Now, we find Him at the beginning, His attributes, and now you were with Him then. Then is when the book of life comes into view. Now we read over here in Revelations, the 13th chapter, the 8th verse, that the beast that comes upon the earth in these last days will deceive all those people on the earth whose names were not written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. Think of it. Before Jesus was ever born, 4,000 years before He came on earth, and several thousand years before you come on earth, Jesus, in God's mind, died for the sins of the world, and the book of life was made, and your name was put on that book of life before the foundation of the world. That's the Bible truth. See? Your name was ordained of God. 
and placed on the book of life before the foundation of the world. You were there in his attributes. You don't remember it? No. Because you're just a part of his life. You are a part of God when you become a son or a daughter of God, just as you are a part of your earthly father. That's right. You are the male carries the hemoglobin, the blood. And when that has gone into egg, then you become a part of your father, and your mother is a part of your father also. So you're all a part of your father. Glory. That, that's the denomination out all together. <laughs> certainly does. God and all, the only place. Notice now his attribute. Then the attribute was first God, the thought, the attribute itself, all in one, without being expressed. Then when he expressed secondarily, he became then the Word. And then the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. St. John, the first chapter and the first verse. Notice, this is in the beginning, but before the eternal. Notice, in the beginning was the Word. When the time began, it was Word. But before it was Word, it was attribute, a thought. Then it was expressed, in the beginning was the expression, the Word. Now we're getting where Melchizedek is. That's this mysterious person. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Hold that there now. Notice. His, his first being was Spirit. God. Supernatural. All right? The great eternal. Second, He began to form Himself towards flesh. In a theophany, it's called. The Word. A body. This, then, is the state he was in when he met Abraham. It was called Melchizedek. He was in the form of theophany. I will get to that and prove it in a few minutes, the Lord willing. He was the Word. A theophany is something that you could not see. It could be right here now. Yet, you cannot see it. It's just like, well, like television. That's in another dimension. Television, people are moving right through this room now singing. There's colors also. But the eye is only subject to the five senses. Your whole being is only subject to five senses, brother. And you are only subject to what the sight has been limited to see. But there is another dimension that can be seen by a transformation by television. Now, television does not manufacture a picture. A television only channels it into a circuit. And then the television screen picks it up. But the picture's there to begin with. Yeah. Television was here when Adam was here. Television was here when Elijah sat on Mount Carmel. Television was here when Jesus of Nazareth walked the shores of Galilee. 
but you're just now discovering it. They wouldn't have believed it back there. You'd have been crazy to have said something like it. But now it's become a reality. And so is it that Christ is here. The angels of God are here. And someday in the great millennium to come, it'll be just more real in television or anything else because they are here. He reveals himself in his great form of what he claimed as he amorphous himself into his servants and proves himself. Now here he is in the form of spirit. And then he comes in the form of uh, of Immorphed. Now he appeared to Abraham, Immorphed. When Abraham was returning from the slaughter of the kings, here come Melchizedek. Talk to him. The other day in the Tucson paper, I was reading an article that where there was a, a woman driving down the road, I believe about 40, 50 miles an hour, and she hit an old man with an overcoat on. She screamed and stopped her car, threw him up in the air, right out in the plain desert. And she ran back to find him, and he wasn't there. So what did she do? Some people behind her saw it happen. Saw the old man fly up there in his overcoat turning. So they run back to find out. They couldn't find the man anywhere. They called the police force. The police come out to examine the place. There's nobody there. Well, each one of them testified. The car chugged, hit the man. He went up in the air, and everybody saw it. Witnesses and two or three carloads of them. They've seen it happen. Come to find out, five years ago, there was an old man with an overcoat on, hit and killed on the same spot. (laughs) When you leave here, you're not dead. You've got to come back even if you're a sinner and be judged according to the deeds done in the body. If this earthly tabernacle is dissolved, we have one waiting. In Martha, that's the word. Now, God, in this stage, of, it's this stage of his creation, later formed into flesh Jesus. From what? From the great beginning spirit, then came down to be the word, bringing itself out. The word doesn't yet make itself. It just spoke out in Martha. Later, he becomes flesh, Jesus, mortal to taste death for all of us sinners. When Abraham met him, he was Melchizedek. He unfolds here what all the attributes will do in the final end. Every son of Abraham, every son of the faith will absolutely do the same thing. But I want to watch how we have to come. Also, we see him revealed here in Ruth and and Boaz as a kinsman redeemer, how he had to come to be flesh. Now, we see the attributes, sons of his spirit, have not yet entered into the word-formed body, but a theophany. This body is subject to the word and earnest, waiting for the earnest change of the body. Now, the difference between him and you as a son, see, he was at the beginning the Word, an immorphed body. 
He came in and lived in that in the person of Melchizedek. Then later, we never hear no more of Melchizedek because he became Jesus Christ. Melchizedek was the priest, but he became Jesus Christ. Now you bypass that because in that form, he knowed all things. And you have never been able to know that yet. You come like Adam, like me. You became from the attribute to the flesh to be tempted. But when this life is finished here, if this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, we have one already waiting. That's where we go. That is the word. Then we can look back and see what we've done. Now we don't understand it. We have never become the word. We've just become the flesh man. Not the word. But, and look, clearly makes it clear you will never be the word unless you was the thought at the beginning. That proves the predestination of God. You can't be the word unless you're a thought. You had to be in the thinking first. But to see an order stand temptation, you had to bypass the theophany. You had to come down here in flesh to be tempted by sin. And then if you stand, all the Father hath given me will come to me. And I'll raise him up at the last days. See, you had to be first. And then you see, he come right down the regular line from Attribute to before the foundation of the world, his name's put on the Lamb's book of life. Then from that he become the Word, the theophany that could appear, disappear, and then he become flesh and return back again, resurrected that same body in a glorified condition. But you bypass the theophany and become flesh man to be tempted by sin. And then, if this earthly tabernacle is dissolved, we have one already waiting. Amen. We have not yet the bodies. But look, when this body receives the Spirit of God, the immortal life inside of it, it throws this body in subjection to God. Hallelujah. Amen. He that's born of God does not commit sin. Amen. You cannot sin. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no Amen. condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. They walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Amen. There you are. See, that throws your body subject. You don't have to say, oh, if I can just quit drinking. If I can just, just get in Christ, it's all gone. Amen. See, because your body is subject to the Spirit. It's no more subject to the things of the world. They're dead. They are dead. Your sins are buried. And baptism. And you are a new creation in Christ. And your body becoming subject to the Spirit. Try to live a right kind of life. Like you women claiming you got Holy Ghost and going out here and wearing shorts and things. How could you do it? How could the Spirit of God in you ever let you do such a thing as that? It just can't be sown. Certainly it can't be. He's not a filthy spirit. He's a Holy Spirit. And then when you become subject to that spirit, it throws your whole being subject to that spirit. 
And that spirit is nothing in the world but this seed word made manifest or quickened. Hallelujah. Made alive. And when the Bible said, don't do this, that body quickly turns to it. No question. And what is it? It's the earnest of the resurrection. This body will be raised up again because it's already started. It was once subject to sin and mire and corruption, but now it's got the earnest that's turned heaven. Now that's the earnest that you're going in the rapture. It's the earnest. A sick person laying dying. Nothing left but death. That's all can happen. I've seen the shadows of people done eat up with cancer and tuberculosis and see them persons a little while after that perfectly normal and strong. If there is no divine healing, then there's no resurrection. Because divine healing is the earnest of the resurrection. Amen. You know what the earnest money is, don't you? It's the down payment. He was wounded for our transgressions. With his stripes we're healed. Notice how wonderful we love him. Now this body is subject to the Spirit. Have not yet entered into the word form, but we are still in the flesh form, but subject to the word. Death in the flesh will take us there. Just the same thing, think of a little baby. You can take a woman, no matter how evil she is, when she is pregnant and fixing to be mother, watch before that baby's born, I don't care how cruel the woman is, she gets real kind. There's something about her sound that seems godly to see a little mother fixing to become mother by the baby. Why is it that little body, now it's not alive yet, see the only thing it is is just flesh and muscles, that little jumping, that's just muscles jerking. But when it comes forth from the womb, God breathes the breath of life into it. And then he screams out. See, just as sure as there is a natural body being formed, there is a spiritual body to receive it as soon as it gets here. Then, when a man is born again from heaven, he becomes a spirit babe in Christ. And then, when this robe of flesh is dropped, there is a natural body, theophany, a body not made with hands, neither born of a woman, that we go to. Then that body returns back and picks up the glorified body. That's the reason Jesus went to hell when he died and preached to the souls that were in prison. Turn back into that theophany. Oh, marvelous. Thank God. Second Corinthians 5, 1. If this earthly body be dissolved, this earthly tabernacle, we have another one. See, we have bypassed that to come straight from God, the attribute to be flesh, to be tempted and trusted by sin like Adam did. But when testing of his word is over, then we are taken up to this body that was prepared for us 
before the foundation of the world. It is the word there that we skipped and come right around. Down here to be tempted and tested. If we'd have come through that, there'd have been no temptation. We'd know all things. That's the reason Jesus knowed all things. Because he was word before he was flesh. Then we become the word. Here we are formed to the word image. To be a partaker of the word. Feed on the word. By being predestinated since the beginning. You see that little spark of life that you had in you from the beginning when you started your journey? Many of you can remember it. You join this church and join that church and try this and that. Nothing satisfied. Right? But one day you just recognized it. Right. The other night I was teaching somewhere. I think it's out in California or Arizona. About, I believe I've told a little story here about the man setting the hen and had an eagle egg under it. And when that eagle hatched out, he's the funniest looking bird that them chickens ever seen. But he walked around, he was, the, he was the ugly one among them. Because he just couldn't understand how that hen would cluck and scratch on that manure pile and eat, he couldn't get the idea. She'd say, come on over and feast, honey. But he, he was the eagle. <laughs> he just didn't eat like that. <laughs> it wasn't his food. So she'd catch grasshoppers and what more, you know, and call the little chickens and all them little chickens to go along, cluck along and eat. But the little eagle just couldn't do it. It didn't, didn't look right to him. So one day, his mammy come hunting him. And he'd hear that hen cluck. He'd try his best to cluck, but he couldn't do it. He tried to cheat like a chicken, but he couldn't do it. See, he was an eagle. He to start with, he was an eagle. He was just hatched under a hen. <laughs> that's like some church members. Every, that's about the way it is, about one I was setting is right. But one day his mammy flew over and she screamed. He recognized it. That sounded right. Why was the eagle to begin with? That's the way it is with the gospel of the word, the power of Jesus Christ. When a man has been predestinated to eternal life, he hears that true ring scream of God. Nothing can keep him from it. The church might say, days of miracles just passed, cluck, 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 stand here and eat this and stand here and eat that. That barnyard stuff won't do for him anymore. Amen. He's gone. All things are possible. It gets off the ground. That's why there's so many Christians today that can't get their feet off the ground. The old man, he said, son, jump. You're an eagle. Come up here where I am. He said, mom, I never jumped in my life. She said, well, you jump your eagle to begin with. Amen. You're not a chicken. So he made his first jump and flopped his wings. Didn't do too good, but he got off the ground. <laughs> That's the way we do. We accept God by faith, by the written word. Amen. There's something in there. He said, eternal life. You were predestinated to it. His grandpa and grandma were eagles. He was an eagle all the way back. Eagle don't mix with other things. He's not a hybrid at all. He's an eagle. Then after you recognize the very word of God was evil food, then you left the other thing. You have then been formed into the living image of the living God. 
You heard from your theophany. If this earthly body be dissolved, we have one waiting. As we get towards the end of this episode, we end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for your word. We thank thee, Lord, that who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods. We pray, Father, may your Holy Spirit overshadow us and may it continue to mold us after the image of thy Son. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, we'd really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.
of this supernatural That's the positive of me. Positive of me to my. 